to Books for Kids with Timmy Bauer, a podcast dedicated to helping you discover new books and who their best audiences are. Whether you're looking to boost literacy in struggling readers, help kids with difficult life situations, or just enjoy more time with them through reading, this is the right place. Let's get into the show. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Books for Kids. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and I am so excited. I am here today with Dr. Ken Kunz. He is a literacy professor at Monmouth University in New Jersey, and he's also the president of NJLA. He serves on the board of ILA and Little Free Library, and he's here today to talk about something in literacy that he's very passionate about. Dr. Ken, what is the phone background of your phone right now? Oh my gosh, too funny. Uh, this actually came up at a conference that I was at a while back. Um, someone asked me this. It's actually kind of a sad story, but it's uh, a picture of three of my chickens that I used to raise in my backyard named Bacon, Egg, and Cheese. Oh and gosh. Unfortunately, we have black bears and foxes in this part of New Jersey, and so they're no longer with us, but I can't figure out how to change the background on my screen. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be laughing. That sounds so I'm bad. So sorry. I'm glad I asked that question. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, <laughs> getting, back, getting back to what we are here to talk about today, uh, we're talking about not chickens. We're talking about literacy, uh, something that you're very passionate about literacy. Now, in a previous conversation, Dr. Ken, we were talking and I asked you about a commonly held misbelief uh, about strategies for young learners. What would you unpack for us? What is that belief that you find so frustrating? Sure. I think that especially uh, right now with the switch to a lot of remote and digital kind of learning, um, many people had to kind of think back to what some of the basics are when it comes to motivating and engaging readers and students of all ages. And I think one of the common misbeliefs that a lot of people have are that certain strategies are for little kids or maybe deemed um, as elementary. And what we know is that a lot of strategies for motivation and engagement are good for learners of all ages. And I guess the reason I say that is because I started my career as an elementary teacher here in the New Jersey public schools and I've since held many different hats. I've worked at the middle school level as an administrator. I've been a professor, a reading coach for K to 12, um, also a, a teacher educator at the university level. And so what I'm finding is that a lot of the strategies that are really great for even our young kids work for learners of all ages. So when I hear that phrase, you know, oh, that's great for elementary, it's definitely a, um, a myth that I would like to kind of bust. Yeah, something that you've talked about is that, you know, teaching is sometimes downplayed almost to the level of childcare. And uh, when you tell people that you teach teachers how to teach kids how to read, the response that you get is like, oh, that's cute. How do you, how, what's your uh, emotional reaction to that? Sure. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up. So I think among my colleagues, um, we obviously drink the Kool-Aid in knowing that being reading teachers and writing teachers, we're doing some of the most important work um, out there, quite honestly. 
And so when you're dealing with family members or friends who, you know, when you often say things like, so what did you do today? Well, I was reading with a group of third graders and sometimes the response that you'll get is, oh, that's so cute. And the reality is, yes, that sure. Like obviously the idea of connecting with kids and teaching in general is just something that warms your heart. But it's also more than that. It's really important work, especially when it comes to literacy. I think a lot of people don't understand that literacy opens the doors to so many different opportunities, whether it's the college or career of your choice or where you want to live and, and being um, financially, economically, and, and just happy and stable in life. A lot of those things are really connected back to being a really good reader and being a really good writer. And so it's definitely worthwhile work that makes a lasting impact. And, it, and it's more than just cute. Um, you won't find cute in any of our teaching standards uh, across the country. So I love it. So if you could unpack a little bit, what are some of those strategies that are so good at a young level, but are also so good at the older level, but people think that they're, oh, those are elementary strategies. Sure. So you had mentioned at the beginning of the call that um, I serve on the board of ILA and obviously Little Free Library. And so um, I, have, I have a library, a Little Free Library outside of my house and people of all ages are using that library. I have, um, even just during COVID, I had a family down the street who left New York City and they moved in with their family. And when the mother would walk the little two-year-old down the street, it was very interesting to see like how the two-year-old evolved. At the beginning of the pandemic, she could barely walk. And months later, I'm watching mom chase her daughter down the street. And one of the popular stops is our little free library for them to sit and choose a book and read. And so for number one, access to text is something that's important for readers of all levels. So, you know, even at the college level, um, when I'm teaching classes, having a book display in your classroom is really powerful. And similarly to how my neighbor down the street is a two-year-old excited to borrow books from my little free library, I have adults of all ages who borrow books and want to connect with something new. And so I think one of the things that we often underestimate is that at the elementary level, it's almost expected of a classroom teacher or even, a, even in a family to have access to books for young kids at home, but that should not change when the students become older. So middle school, high school, college, adults having their own book displays at home. Like it's great to have a bookshelf. It's great to have multiple shelves and to just have access to lots and lots of great reading materials. Awesome. What do you think is one of the, what, what would be an example of one of the most downplayed uh, best practice, literacy best practice that you use for adults or, 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 or would recommend for high schoolers that people downplay as like, oh no, that's for kids? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. During the switch to what I'm calling emergency remote instruction, um, the board at NJLA, we had some really interesting conversations around what can we do right now to support teachers, but also families, right? We had many parents who are home with their kids and we said, what could we do? And so a couple of colleagues and I, we came up with the idea of doing live 
and also pre-recorded read-alouds. And I think that audio and visual connection to kids was really powerful. And so being able to listen to a read-aloud is just such a powerful thing for, for students of all ages. Now, what was very interesting was that, yes, we had a lot of students in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. But then one of our board members, Nikki Mancini, she started what she called First Chapter Fridays, where she would read the first chapter of a novel for the middle grade readers. And then we started hooking fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders into our read aloud series. And I think that's so important. Um, even at the college level, when I do a read aloud or introduce my students to new texts, there's excitement. Um, one of the researchers and also uh, keynote speakers out there, Donalyn Miller, who's known as the book whisperer, says that if we don't believe that reading aloud to kids is important, then all you have to do is look at resources like Audible, who are experiencing so much success. So I think, you know, yes, it's important to read to a child from birth, right? But also as they progress through the ages, for some reason, we tend to stop reading aloud to kids after like third or fourth grade. And that, that's such a misconception and we have to keep that going. And so I know that at least through our um, NJLA uh, story time that we did um, during all of the days um, of emergency learning, that was one of the most powerful tools that I saw us using for being able to connect with kids and also their families. Why do you think people stop around third grade? Well, you always get, well, I mean, if you think about it, you always get the common excuse. I don't have, I don't have the time, right? I don't have the time for that. Yet, we have to make the time for that. When we read aloud, we are exposing students to diverse worlds and opportunities. Sometimes they're seeing themselves in the text. Sometimes they're seeing other characters and learning through their experiences we start to wonder about different topics, which obviously increases our background knowledge, which is really important, right? The more background knowledge you have as an avid voluminous reader, the more opportunities you have to successfully comprehend and, and then do that as a writer. Um, it also enhances your vocabulary development. There are just so many things, but I think one thing that a lot of people that I've come into contact with who've stopped the acting of reading aloud will, will blame time, um, which I, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe that that's a good enough excuse. Yeah, so to me, time actually sounds like a veiled excuse that's hiding another reason. What do you think are other reasons that are pushing this kind of stuff out of it? Is it this seems like a frivolous thing to add to our class time. Is it uh, from administrators, like not wanting to waste time on, where is, where is it really coming from, would you say? Well, it could come from the, the belief that reading aloud is elementary, quote unquote. Um, but it can also come from the fact that I think when we're, especially from the teacher perspective, when you are being observed, you often want to be up on the stage and doing your best performance as a teacher. And mm. so there seems to be sometimes this belief that reading aloud is not the most valuable way to be on stage as, as, as such for instructional time. And that's definitely a misconception. 
Um, Where do you think, think that misconception is coming from? Well, it could be the fact that, you know, you obviously, you want high levels of engagement. You want the use of technology in your lessons when appropriate. You want to be engaging students instructionally, but also allowing them to take ownership of a lot of the learning. And I think that through reading aloud, all of those things can be embedded. But I have heard some teachers say to me that they've been reading aloud in class, and then let's say an administrator comes to observe them, and the administrator might say something like, oh, you're reading with your kids now. I'll come back later when you're teaching a lesson. Oh. And I, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, as a reading specialist, as a literacy <sighs> advocate, that kind of, um, that kind of statement really, um, it, it, it tears at your heart because it, there's so much value happening through reading aloud to our students. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, you really hit on something there. So what do you think is the solution in terms of how does somebody who's listening to this go, I need to make sure that I am part of the, the, the movement uh, towards, no, this is legitimate. These are legitimate uh, classroom activities for instruction. What, like, what steps do they need to be taking? Well, I think one of the things that stood out to me, at least when you originally reached out to me, was that we need to stay connected, right? So the more connected we are to each other, um, even during these times, it's probably more important than ever to connect with each other, to connect with professional learning organizations. So for example, if you're part of the NJLA network or ILA or Little Free Library, whatever network you're part of, hopefully if it's with a mission of advancing literacy, that you're availing yourself of all of the resources, all of the research, all of the great articles, um, webinars, um, in your case to me, podcasts, like that address these kinds of topics. So that way we can find out that, hey, reading, reading aloud to students is really valuable across all grade levels. And I'm not on my own island thinking that. It's based on research, it's based on best practice, and we have evidence that this is going to improve student learning outcomes. I love it. Dr. Ken, it's been awesome having you on the show. For anybody that wants to connect with you further to offer you some condolences about your chickens, how uh, should no. they connect with you? It's so embarrassing that that was the background photo on my phone. And I was worried about that first question when you posed it. Um, so I would say um, you could definitely reach out on Twitter. Um, I do have a handle. It's Dr. Kenneth Kunz. Um, I probably have some past pictures of them on there if you go scrolling through the media. But more importantly, um, is not how to raise chickens successfully, but how to raise readers successfully. So if you want tips on things like great books, uh, great strategies, or even just how to stay connected to other people who are nerdy and like-minded as we are, definitely come connect on Twitter. Awesome. There are so many books that have been written. Have you ever gone to the library with your kiddo and been overwhelmed trying to find something good to read? And forget it just being good. It needs to be good and at the right reading level, and about an interesting topic, and have a message you resonate with or themes you like. 
and books aren't labeled for the audiences that they're for. So part of why this podcast exists is to help with that problem. If you're happy with the content you're hearing, don't forget to leave a rating. You just scroll down with your thumb and hit the number of stars you think it deserved. And if you'd like to follow my progress as an author, go to Instagram and type Timmy Bauer. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to next time.